Hello and welcome to your Over the Farm Gate podcast brought to you by Farmers Guardian and the CLA. I'm your host for this week. It's me, Farmers Guardian news editor, Olivia Midgley. Don't forget, we'll bring you a new episode of the podcast every Tuesday. Subscribe through all your favourite platforms, whether that's Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher or Acast to ensure you stay up to date. On the show this week, and it's part two of our special on succession planning, just the thought of putting plans into place can fill some people with dread, but it really doesn't have to be a negative and arduous process. We've been speaking to a leading expert on the subject to produce a mini practical guide to help you along the way. And after a year like no other, our British Farming Awards held virtually last week were a fantastic opportunity to celebrate and showcase the innovation and achievements of British farmers across the agricultural industry. More on that later. Now, to give us some top tips on how to approach succession positively, our reporter Jess Fredenberg has been speaking to Heather Wildman of Saviour Associates, a specialist and mediator in family farming succession planning. The Country Land and Business Association is the only organisation solely dedicated to the protection of land and property rights and promoting the interests of the wider rural economy. We help our members work in the best interests of the land, wildlife and the environment. Join today at www.cla.org.uk. Heather, we're back for round two on succession and retirement planning. And I know you're going to help us delve into the nitty gritty of it a little bit more and how to go about doing it. So the real practical practical side of it and getting everything lined up. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was something that everybody can do quite easily, really, and without involving anyone else to start with, is to extract all those things from from your head. So there's normally a farmer involved, isn't there, who has everything stored in their head and no one else sometimes knows all that useful information. So what sorts of things can people you know, get down on paper so that everyone else in the family and the business has their information. Thanks, Jess. Yeah, it's really, really key. And it blows my mind how multitasking and multi-skilled our farmers are. You know, they're vets, they're nutritionists, they're consultants, they're welders, they're engineers and plumbers, accountants and everything as well. And the brain is the most incredible thing when it's all working well and, you know, we're fit and we can manage to maintain all of these balls in the air, if you like. But unfortunately, agriculture is one of the most dangerous careers out there. So unfortunately, one day someone that is really key to our business is not going to come home. Or if they do come home, they might not come home the same person and be able to remember and, um, and, and interact and engage the way they did. So, you know, there's so much information that we maintain in our heads. And I think this is important, whether, you know, it's you and I, Jess, sole employers, you know, working for ourselves, or whether we're in big multi-business companies with a lot of employees and regardless of sector, it's really, really key that the key information is recorded somewhere so that then we can go on holiday and enjoy that holiday because we know there's a manual 
and um, somebody knows how to do something if we're not there. It's separate every job. What are all the different jobs? So if it's dairy farming, it might be looking at the cow health, looking at the breeding policy, looking at the milking routine, looking at um, the nutrition, looking at the grazing, the grassland management, then maybe looking at the paperwork and the grants and everything and have headings for everything and then sort of work it all down. So it might be the dairy manager does so much and you know what would happen if the dairy manager suddenly left or had an accident what key information would they have you know it might be login details for you know the 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 registering births and deaths and things you know so breaking everything down who's responsible for what and then you know what what are they and I and I try and think you know it's a good way it's all well and done doing it once but these things change and need updated so and I I think it's also quite good if a, a member of family or a member of staff that isn't involved in the job could pick up that manual and would know what to do that is a really good sign that you've you've got it covered so what would be let's let's have a, a quick fire list then of the sorts of things you think it would be good for people to have in their in their manual like this well just some some really simple non-complicated ones would be your animal breeding policy because with contracts and brexit and everything changing it's really key that we've got the right breed of animal that's finished to the right weight at the right time and what is that if you know if you're not there does anybody else know that what is your replacement policy biosecurity policy but other things like you know have you got any wear leaves on your farm where's the electric meters where Where's the stopcocks? Where's the drains? What is the reseeding policy? You know, how many vehicles have you got? Where are they? What are they? When are they serviced? When uh, is their repayment schedule up? You know, all these kind of key just housekeeping things. Um, is it would be a really good simple place to start. And I'm guessing contact details for key people as well, like, for example, suppliers, accountants, bank managers, etc. that sort of thing. Yeah, organisations and our professional team, they change and they have succession going on as well. So, you know, if you haven't updated that contact and, you know, if you've had a sudden death in the family or on your, a member of staff, you know, you're dealing with shock, you're dealing with grief. It is really, really horrible time. And it is so important then that you've got the right people just a couple of phone calls and you can get to the people to let them know. So I would say, Mm -hmm. you know, your emergency contact list, you should have your landlord if you're renting uh, or you've got any tenants as well. So who, who is your landlord? Have you got a land agent? Who's the go-to contact? Your bank, who is the bank? Who's the bank manager? You know, do you have an underbank manager in there as well? Your accountant, you know, and in an accountant, um, we now maybe deal with a couple of different people within the accountant because they delegate a lot of the rollout as well. Our solicitor and lawyer, you know, accountants were possibly in touch with two or three times a year. The solicitor may be less so. So, you know, is the same solicitor still in there? The auction mat, who is your auctioneer? Your farm secretary, a really, really key member of the staff. Any suppliers and contractors you're working with. And then, you know, if you're a dairy farmer, who's your milk company? Um, or if you're arable, who do you, you know, are you forward contracting anything? So who are your contracts with? What are their terms that they need to know? Uh, the rural payments, the, the BCMS, the VAT office. And again, one of the real nightmares I've heard so many families saying, Heather, we got everything else sorted. But my God, see, trying to sort the telephone, the electric and the water. That was a nightmare. And, you know, these are <laughs> ones that we do regularly change. We're encouraged to change. But God, trying to get 
get the passwords and the codes. And if you are not the key account holder for that, you know, so that is another thing is having a secondary signature on, you know, a lot of these uh, mandates and forms can really be a good insurance policy and hopefully you'll never need it. Okay, so let's look at the, the legal side of things. What are the key legal documents and you know procedures and things like that that need to be set up so i I would really encourage everyone regardless of your age and regardless of whether you think you own anything or you have anything of value get a will and get a power of attorney in place and review and uh, update the wills and power of attorney as your circumstances change wills you know and, and where are they where are they kept who's the executor and the trustees and are they fit for purpose as your business grows because we maybe put them in when we're in the early stages of our career but then maybe the business is quite a multifaceted business now turning over millions are those executors fit to be able to run that business on another real thing is what is your um, structure of your business you know are you a partnership are you limited are you sole trader or are you a trust and is the paperwork in order it blows my mind away Jez when I'm talking to clients and I'll say hands up who's a partner and put the hands up and I say what are you a partner in and there's often a bit of a oh a vague look and um, and then I hear them come back to me later oh my god Heather I went home and I said to dad dad what am I partner of and dad said oh I don't know, rung the accountant and the accountant goes, oh, sorry, John, we never put Fred in because you never came back to me. So he's not even a partner. Um, oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and this happens more than you believe. The other thing is, oh, we never got round to signing it. And is it fit for purpose? And do you even have a partnership agreement? And this is absolutely key. If there is a sudden death and with a partnership and someone dies and you haven't got a partnership agreement and it isn't fit for purpose, a lot of banks will freeze everything so you can't pay anything in you can't pay anything out and you know so you're going through grief you're going through shock and then you've got this awful thing that you can't access your bank account and everything as well so it's really really key and and is it fit for purpose for where your business is now um is 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 a really important one and the other one property deeds where are they and do you actually own the business and when i was in ireland you know farmers are notorious uh there was a great saying in australia you know they're they're allergic to paying professional uh, fees you know how much oh that's too dear we'll 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 just make do or we'll just shake a hand and there was one irish family that ended up buying one field three times off this rye ladies at the bottom of the village and because they'd never written anything down and um yeah so make sure do you actually own what you think you own and and that can be really complicated as well in partnerships you know what's in the partnership and what isn't so these are all good questions when you're going to sit down with your accountant and do your annual review saying look just where are we and 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 is everything in the right place and it needs to be for where we're going forward so it's just good housekeepings the other thing is if you've got any diversification projects they can be quite complicated as well. Are they in the business? Are they out the business? Whose name are they in? Um, because I, I hear so many people say, oh, God, Heather, I can't sort my will out because I'm still trying to sort out the legacy uh, and the estate from granny and grandpa. So just don't, you know, whatever you do, don't reenact that, you know, bad, bad management, if you like. Oh, gosh. And nobody wants to buy a plot of land three times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that just made me smile. Um, yeah, but it, it is incredible. Then there's that pride thing where we won't tell anybody. And then the next generation does exactly the same thing. Um, oh, gosh. OK, so what about the financial side of things? And maybe, maybe this is, is this the kind of area that people get most worried and hung up on? Because it, it always feels like quite a complex area, doesn't it? 
I guess it depends on your experience, doesn't it? And and your trust and regard to your family as well, because you know, your bank account information is everyone tells you you should tell nobody your passwords and everything, which is, you know, is is good. That's exactly what we should do. But, you know, there comes a point where, you know, I know myself, I've got so many passwords for so many different things that, you know, you can get in a muddle. So I really recommend that you have everything written down somewhere. Um, and, you know, I go into some clients and it's just literally on a post-it note on the side of the computer, all the passwords <laughs> for the bank, for the, you know, the IACs for the BCMS and everything are all there. And, and to be honest, I don't really mind that because it's better than it being nowhere. But generally, it is in the, the top drawer of the desk in a book that says passwords and, you know, they're regularly updated. And that is really, really key. The other thing, if we're in a partnership and we've maybe got maybe senior members of the family are in the partnership and they they won't tell you the wills, they won't sign everything over, make sure you've got a second signature on their account. Um, that is always a great backup, you know, because if the power of attorney, one side of the power of attorney is to look after your financial and your business matters and the other side is your health. You know, I really, really urge everyone to have a power of attorney in place and have it registered. And God forbid we never need it. But then when it is, it's up and ready to go rather than having to apply through the courts, which all takes time, all adds to the stress and everything as well. And another thing is where are, you know, we're living in a paperless uh, society now, which I respect. But if we're needing to put our finances in order, we're maybe needing to change ownership, change in title deeds and things like that. Or we're wanting to maybe um, extend the mortgage, get a loan, buy new properties. We, we tend to need some evidence. So where are bank statements? Where's any financial, you know, the annual reports and the, all of that kind of thing? Where are these kept? And the other thing is savings. And I know myself, I've moved a few times and it is surprising how suddenly you lose track of that ISA or that pension or, you know, so where are they? Whose company are they with and what's the contact details? And again, what are the login details to get in there? And we had one client that was in Wales and they were having real financial pressure. They were thinking they were going to have to sell the farm. And um, and don't tell Granny, don't get Granny to worry. And then, you know, one of the grandchildren actually said, oh, Granny, we're really, really worried about this. And I'm worried about Mum and Dad. And I think we might have to sell the farm. And Granny says, oh, hang on. Granddad once said, if you're ever stuck, look under the mattress. And you, you couldn't have made it up. And they had some shares. And she'd got these dividends that had been growing and growing. None of the family knew about it. And they were worth a fortune. Oh, wow. Um, um, you know, so, God, I'm, so I'm happy if it's just a tenner I found find on the street or something. <laughs> so yeah, so you know, it, it's not all of us understand fully maybe what this dividends that we're getting, what they're for. Um, so it's trying to have that all written down, and it's great while we can do it while people are alive, while they're mentally able to engage and explain and everything. Because you know, it it, it doesn't always go in age. You know, I know I've had people that have had a knock to the head, concussion with rugby. You know, suddenly they're not able to connect everything and remember everything. And mortgages, you know. Where are the loan informations? How much have we got out? When are they up? You know, so that then we can release some more capital and things, you know. So it's, it is thinking about all of this. But 
And for me, it's absolutely key that you get a good network of professional advisors um, because there are some brilliant professional advisors out there that completely transform your business and will really take the stress out of everything. But they are not mind readers. So, you know, you need to be as open and honest with them as possible. I guess that brings us on to um, working with accountants and, and farm secretaries. Um, what you know? What can they do for people, and how should you be working with them? Yeah, see, that's why I always have to sort of say I have no financial training or anything as well. What I do is is a sort of facilitator, and I try and encourage best practice that I've learned from other people, so that we don't keep making the same mistakes as well. And you know, some as we go back to these, you know, people that don't want to pay professional fees. If you have always worked with your professionals and sort of said we want as cheap as possible, just get it done, you know, that's what you will have. But but is that actually the right way when it is such an important thing? Because if you get this paperwork, succession, transfer of deeds and things wrong, it will cost your business thousands down the line and be really, really complicated and really, really stressful for all of your family. So it is that point of you sitting down with your partner, with your, your family and sort of saying, like, where where do we want this business? Who's going to have it? Who's going to do what with it? And then, you know, what are the tax implications? And with good tax planning, you know, it makes it a lot easier for the rest of the family as well. So that is where having a brilliant accountant that understands your business, understands agriculture, gets your vision, gets your, um, you know, what you're aspiring to achieve and then helps you put those uh, steps in place so that then, God forbid, anything happens, you know, other people haven't got knock-on hidden consequences. And of course, also to protect against anything happening we ought to talk about insurance too you know what sorts of insurances should people you know be thinking about some people think, oh, you know, we've got so many debts going out of the business at the moment. I'm young. Um, I don't need that added extra cost of critical illness, um, life uh, insurance and things like that. And and again, I was working with a client who was um, a tenant. They they weren't married. They had two children and he was a sole trader. And he's, it was only his name on the bank account, only his name on the tenancy. And um, they weren't married and they had two children. And, and I just said, you know, how vulnerable and exposed are you if anything happens to Simon? You know, um, because technically her name is on nothing. And uh, they still had a lot of debt and everything and a mortgage. And they'd been doing some quite big investments and everything. So that is where, and, and to be honest, most banks now, you know, if you're, if you're borrowing money, you will have critical illness. But it's just a really good policy to get into, particularly if we're self-employed. God forbid something happened to us. We broke a leg, we broke her arm and we couldn't physically do our work. Who would do it for us? And making sure that, you know, accident, critical illness and death, you've got good cover there for your family. Um, and so that you can also have a good send off as well, because uh, a funeral doesn't come cheap either. And, uh, you know, so, you know, making sure that if we've already got debt and we've got stress on the family, that having to pay for a funeral isn't going to be the final straw. And we can't afford to give our loved ones the send off that they would want. No, absolutely. And I mean, there's a, there's a lot to think about with all of this isn't there there's a lot to organize and all these things um do take time um i'm guessing for some people listening they might be thinking oh my god where on earth do i start perhaps they have all of this to do perhaps they haven't done any of it yet what are the, the absolute critical places to start on all of this 
I think immediately just write some notes down of what you don't know. Anything that, you know, come into your mind thinking, well, well, I don't know who the bank manager is. I don't know what the debt is. I don't know if mum and dad have a will. And, And we can't make somebody tell us if they don't want to. And that's maybe where we take our own insurance out so that we don't know if mum and dad have insurance. We don't know if we inherit the farm. Do we have to pay our siblings out? We don't know if, um, you know, what the tax liability is going to be. So what I would say is take some personal account of what you can manage and control yourself. So, you know, if God forbid something was to happen to any of your family members, you know, you know, you've done everything you can. Um, I, I ask everyone to build up a how-to manual and take copies of things. Um, and it, it might even be a box file. It might be a folder and just start writing things down like your accountant, your bank manager, your solicitor. Um, you know, the, the, do we know the structure of the business? Um, who are the traders that we work with? Um, who's the electrician? Who's the joiner? Who's the plumber? Who's the builders? Who's the dairy engineer? Just start in working things down every day as you're going through the bills just build it up and then review it and then sit down with your family at an odd time oh dad who is the bank manager or mum who do you use for this and can we write the passwords down don't don't overwhelm yourself just start doing it day by day and just building up every time you sit down at the accounts add a little bit in okay thanks heather so just to recap we have got my list here is get important things out of your head onto paper so that other people know sort out your the legal side of things like definitely get a will get powers of attorney sort out your financial things and work with a really good accountant or farm secretary make sure you have good insurance and you know what everybody is doing so that's a really good really great list thank you so much yeah, and one thing I would add is really know your business structure, you know, your partnership agreement, your limited company, and, and make sure that that is all signed and up to date and legally where it should be for your business. You're still ploughing on, and so are we. Get Farmer's Guardian delivered directly to your door every week and access the latest news from the world of agriculture 24-7 through fginsight.com. Simply subscribe to Farmer's Guardian Check out our latest deals at fginsight.com slash subscriptions today. Thanks to Jez and Heather for that. I think those points, especially about the dangers of so much of the business planning side of things being locked in one person's head, will really resonate with our listeners. Hopefully you will find that advice useful. Of course, there's plenty more where that came from over on our website, fginsight.com. Now, it may not have been as glamorous an affair as previous years, and there definitely wouldn't have been as many dance moves being showcased because this year's British Farming Awards went virtual. But what we did have was plenty to celebrate. Thousands of you tuned in to see who came out top across the 16 award categories, once again kindly sponsored by Morrison's and compared by the brilliant Vernon Kay. But it was sheep farmer Sam Stables who won our coveted Farming Hero Award. Some of you will remember we reported on Sam at the height of the pandemic. Not only did he take on an entire flock of sheep from Yorkshire to his Herefordshire farm and lamb them for a friend stricken by coronavirus, but he's also launched a charity to help people in the farming community deal with mental health issues. Sam, who's a tenant farmer on the Duchy of Cornwall estate, recently received a personal commendation from the Prince of Wales, along with a donation to fund further charitable work for We Are Farming Mines. We asked him what the award meant to him and his family. I'd just like to 
thank uh, Farmer's Guardian. I'm absolutely overwhelmed. I can't even believe that I've received this award because I know how many amazing farmers there are out there that do so many good things. But I'd like to more than anything say thank you. It's a joint award for my wife who's had to put up with me for so many years and she's uh, me backbone to our life. She's every bit part of this award. Yeah, thank you ever so much. <laughs> well done again to Sam and to all our winners this year. I'm sure we'll be back celebrating and embarrassing ourselves on the dance floor in person in 2021. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week with more. Don't forget, you can subscribe on your favourite podcast platforms to keep notified of new episodes of Over the Farm Gate and, of course, to catch up on previous episodes. From us at FG and the CLA, thank you for listening. We hope you stay safe and well. Goodbye for now. <laughs>